0: Panther, miles
1: and Dave, do you think the cycles of nostalgia for everything is just going to get so small that we're just going to be living in an eternal present
2: well we're already like it's already happening right now right the internet, that's literally the definition of like almost all pop culture on the internet is you're referencing something that actually just happened. Right. It's like, hey, remember that internet fad that happened two weeks ago? Okay, now we're making fun of it and ripping on it. Right.
1: And then there's the cycles of like nostalgia. Like in the 90s, they looked at the 70s. And in the 80s, they looked back to the 60s. and 70s, they looked back to the 50s and blah, blah, blah. But it's getting all like... So much faster. Like the 90s are in vogue right now, but we're, when I was in Portland like five years ago, it seemed like everyone was in a band ripping off bands from the 70s that were ripping off bands from the 50s, you know, and 60s. Like,
2: that were ripping off big band music, that were ripping off ragtime music. <laughs> no, I mean, that, like, were, that were ripping <laughs> off. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, ripping off uh, Stephen Foster. <laughs> Man. All those punk bands indebted to Stephen Foster. have you heard Scott Joplin's new record (laughs) it's lit man it's fire Switched switched on Scott Joplin switched on Scott Joplin switched on Scott Joplin switched on Scott Joplin Um, fire, firebirds. Yeah. Welcome to Heat Seeking Panther. Um, firebirds, or as I would like to call it, fire turds. Do you agree or disagree? I
2: definitely agree. Uh, (laughs) two thumbs down for this movie. Yeah, man.
1: This might be the worst one we watched so far. I mean, I, I thought that and then time, I remembered Racing or Racing, with, with, racing the moon. with the Moon. But yeah. then
2: but then I but then I remembered this one again and I was like, nah, this one's still worse than that, well, I think.
1: Time to Kill is kind of I feel like I can't compare it to anything because I don't I feel like we watched it through like at, from like the end of a f- far away tunnel <laughs> like and it also was a bad movie that didn't make much sense, so
2: I think it I think Time to Kill made the least sense of any film that we've watched so far. Easily. Yeah. It was L- Less sense less, than Birdie. Definitely less sense than Birdie. And in fact, it was even more or I'm sorry, it was even less comprehensible than Cotton Club. Oh yeah. Which I thought we hit a low with Cotton Club in <laughs> yeah, terms of rough. trying to stitch together some any sort right. of narrative that that like yeah. had its own like logic
1: time to kill. Even I, I read a synopsis of it afterwards and I you was still, I know I was still like what, trying to like match it with, but um, also it was just so like aggressively boring that if, even if it did make sense, like I don't think we could have forced ourselves to care, but this is like firebirds. Okay. Going in, I just thought I was like, okay, it's top gun with helicopters and worse, which,
2: well, but see, that would have been actually awesome. Exactly. If it had just been yeah. Top Gun with helicopters, I, I would have been all over that. Right. But I think the issue that I had with it is that it was trying to be Top Gun with helicopters, <laughs> but just ended up being a movie with helicopters. <laughs> yes. So that's really its failure, is that it wasn't Top Gun with helicopters.
1: No. They they thought that if they like literally ripped off every major beat of that movie wait
2: isn't nick cage's character's name actually just um a top gun character's name but minus or plus a letter or something like that i think so and his
1: friend dies a la goose and except he dies like right at the beginning of the movie first five minutes of the so movie. I you totally don't even,
2: forgot you until you don't know the relationship you don't have a chance no. to get emotionally attached to the character all of a sudden it's just extreme close-ups of them in an Apache helicopter <laughs> cockpit <laughs> shouting dies. at each other while they're flying through the desert and then he's like no as his friend's <laughs> helicopter blows up and then the main title comes up
1: right like flash forward to the end of the movie the climax of the movie where he shoots the bad guy out of the sky and goes that was for Dobbs and I, I was like I
2: actually had forgotten yeah, who Dobbs was, was like, at the fuck that fuck point is Dobbs?
1: it's got that it's got the love interest that but instead of like riding around on the motorcycle at sunset and like fucking to uh take my breath away, take my breath away. <laughs> they drive out to the desert into some house that someone owns and drink wine by a pool and Nick Cage kind of forces himself on her. In this a, is
2: like the third movie in a row that Nick Cage or fourth because Moonstruck before that yeah. also oh, where yeah. where Nick Cage is so overcome with passion yeah. that he um makes some choices that,
1: that are couldn't be construed in modern day as uh, sexual assault. Yeah. <laughs> so vampires kiss moonstruck what else well
2: in time to kill he straight up oh in time to kill he literally rapes that that
1: woman and in this one he's so fucking gross and aggressive to sean young i I have so much to say i don't even know where to start okay oh but i did want to say they fuck to uh phil collins
2: Dude, and we, that was maybe the only redeeming factor of this entire film for me personally. As I told you, yeah, we
1: were talking about this last yeah, week. You're, is
2: the is the is there's like two or three Phil Collins yeah. songs, and they're banging Phil Collins good, tracks.
1: They're good tracks.
2: They're really the the best of the like non hits. Yeah,
1: honestly. Um. Anyway, I I, passionate, I I mean, we were talking last week about uh, you know the unlikelihood of uh, like all the things that had to come into into alignment for like a balding ex like prog rock guy to become like
2: the 80s biggest pop star yeah i mean
1: and 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 just that was resonating in my mind while i was watching these two like young people simulate like showtime sex (laughs) you know like with like uh, all the like hands grasping flesh and stuff and fucking phil collins is playing Okay, so my problem with this film besides it just being dumb and boring is um that it's one of the most like blatantly propagandistic films that I've ever seen outside of just propaganda. And I was watching this being like this wasn't like like somebody wasn't like inspired just to write this film with no agenda. Like this film has such an agenda and it and I'm going to pull from uh, Nicholas Cage, the unauthorized biography of Nicholas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli, um, with a little information about Firebirds. Okay. Unusually, the inspiration for Firebirds came not from a conventional filmmaker, but from three military men, retired U.S. Army Lieutenants Colonel John K. Swenson and Step Tyner, and retired U.S. Marine Captain Dale Dye, who had worked as a technical advisor on the Vietnam War film Platoon. They approached producer Arnold Kopelson, who had won the Best Picture Oscar for Platoon, with a suggestion that they should make a film that would do for the American Army what Tom Cruise's Top Gun had done for the Navy, with the AH-64 gunship helicopter known as the Apache as one of the stars. Ironically, Nick Cage was later said to have turned down the role in Top Gun because he thought it was too right-wing. But then he takes this role? He takes this role wow okay why did he take that role i'm glad you asked the principals had no hesitation in hiring nick to play chief warrant officer the sec- second jake preston chief warrant officer Two, jake preston i don't know uh when they learned he was looking for a change of image and would welcome being cast in a role both active and romantic he also quite frankly needed the money as he explained It was as unlikely for me as you could get, but I was challenged by it, and the people involved wanted to work with me. I like to keep myself off guard with the choices I make. There is a kid inside me who likes helicopters and fireworks, and film is a big business industry, and this game needed to be played to secure that I could continue to work. They made a deal that was respectable and made me feel good and got me out of some debts that I was severely into with my house. But this straightforward American hero was a challenge. I was in a place where I was starting to think that I should try to do something more mainstream just to ensure that I could get another job. It wasn't really true to my instincts.
2: Uh, Okay, so two things about that. Yeah. First of all, just an observation. This is the beginning of Nicolas Cage taking a role because he needs the money. Yeah. And two, can you imagine the alternate timeline in which Nick Cage never felt like he had to go mainstream. Yeah. And he just continued making movies like Raising Arizona and like Vampire's Kiss just for the rest of his career.
1: Only those kinds of movies. And it comes back to like money. It just seems like he, like he just doesn't know how to keep money or he, he just wants to spend it on nice things. He wants nice things and he doesn't care. And he's, Especially at this point, he knows he's going to keep perpetually getting work, so it's it's like it's it's like he can't stop himself. And yeah, this like this is a this is his worst acting that we've seen so Definitely. far. Definitely, easily, easily. He looks like he's on. He looks like he drank a bunch of cough syrup. He looks like he's robo tripping through this whole movie. His eyes are perpetually his eyelids are perpetually half masked through the whole film. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, there's only there's there's two moments. That I noted because I, I I I noticed this as well very early on in the movie. I actually wrote down um, most monotone performance that we've seen so far. Yeah, uh, I I think I can kind of. Well, this is my assumption anyway, but my theory is that so you know how we decided that he acting for him is a certain kind of accent and or uh, physicality that. He right. has to like right. affect. Right. So I think his idea of being a military man is to be just very stoic and gray the entire so time. So I actually
1: think he that was this in was character. that
2: he was in character and it was a
1: very conscientious <laughs> acting choice on his part. I come I agree too. I mean, he looks like he's falling asleep, but it seems like he was like this is my choice for this character and
2: he sticks with it the whole time.
1: There's a couple, there's a couple pretty silly things that happen. Like I am the greatest. Yes. I mean that scene where he's playing the, the video game. I don't know if this is a real thing. It
2: looks like the like windows 95 flight simulator,
1: (laughs) but it takes place inside of like a giant tilting room made to look like an Apache cockpit. And, uh, Yeah, you just shoot a bunch of, like, polygons. (laughs) And and Nick Cage fucking... First he offers Tommy Lee Jones strawberry gum over the intercom, which was weird. And then, yeah, he screams I am the greatest and blows a bunch of stuff up.
2: You now have air-to-air threat in your sector.
1: I am the greatest.
0: I am the greatest. I am!
1: Um, I also, when he's really mad uh, with Sean Young on the tarmac, and he, like, karate kicks the yes, air. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that, really,
2: I, those that's are the only two moments. Those are the yeah. two that I noted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, beyond that, he's, like, he, he's so sleepy.
2: Okay, so this, there's this other weird thing that he does, and he does it a couple of times in the movie. Unfortunately, I didn't actually note the specific times, like, as examples, yeah. but... He says to some extent, he either says, uh, Sir, that was cool, or that was totally cool to (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones' character, who's like his superior officer.
1: Slash father figure. Right.
2: And it's it's just very weird the way he just a couple times casually (laughs) threw out, Hey man, that was cool, or totally cool to
1: Tommy Lee Jones, just like out of nowhere. What about their like, what about their like bro sesh, like right before the climax? where Tommy Lee Jones is like you're you're such a good pilot you're one of the best pilots I've ever seen and Nick Cage is like no you're really good and he's like you're better and then, and, then, and then it's like i don't know There's no, there's none of the, like, Nick Cage trying to get this, this father figure's, like, acceptance and validation and him, like, withholding. Like, Like just
2: immediately from the get-go. Yeah,
1: the whole thing is so paternalistic, which falls into, again, my, so, my biggest thing, this movie is straight up propaganda for the army, and it's aimed at, like, little boys, like the whole it's hey hey
2: kids don't you want to fly a cool helicopter and shoot guns join the army you want to play this
1: cool video game hey do you want to you want to get girls even though they don't want to be with you just join the army it's just it's like a a bunch of negative reviews for the film at the time compared it to a video game like where you like you know, you go through different levels and then there's a big boss at the end that you beat. And I don't know, that's pretty apt. Except it's like watching someone else play a really boring video game. Yeah,
2: it's extremely boring. I mean, the, I guess the last battle was kind of okay.
1: Yeah, the last like 10 or 20 minutes is pretty fun. It was
2: definitely exciting and, and entertaining to watch, but...
1: Yeah, I I mean, like the helicopter w- stuff was cool. I feel like I wasn't impressed with it until that point. Like, I mean, although like like film choreography of helicopters just flying around and shooting stuff, but I don't know. It was neat. Tommy Lee Jones was a really, was, plays a really good army, man. Yeah, I mean, he kind of always plays that same right. character, but it, it's great. That's great. great. Yeah. You should
2: just cast Tommy
1: Lee Jones in all of those kind of roles. He, he delivers that dialogue, that ridiculous dialogue. Like I believe it. I believed it, too. What he, I wrote down a couple. He said, busy as a three-peckered goat. I love that. I love that line. I,
2: I bust it up. I laugh out loud when he said that. Like, I don't even... What a weird... Who writes that? I don't that? even know. Is that a common phrase that we're just not aware
1: of? Again, I think like a screen, these screenwriters, they were tasked by the army to write this thing, and they were like, okay, what what does an army guy sound like? And they watched like Full Metal Jacket, and they're like, okay. They just say a bunch of fast, weird stuff. Because <laughs> he also just had that whole thing about nick cage being like a first class american all-american hero boogieing into the future or some full tilt boogie full tilt boogie
2: yeah okay there was there was also that absurd double entendre conversation that sean young Uh, and and cage uh, were were engaged in
1: while they're flying the helicopters and get
2: your brain out of your cockpit uh, or what was the other one he was like he was uh he's locked loaded and ready to fire it was like, come on. Like, and it it's went on. It's like I on. got it
1: in my hand. It's a, a whole thing. It went
2: on for literally so two long. minutes.
1: And yeah, also, like, I love that his co-pilot is just there, like listening in. He's like, coming up fast on your rear. <laughs> He's
2: probably the I I
1: imagine the co-pilot just rolling his
2: eyes. <laughs> just like,
1: God, guys, Fuck. get a fucking room. Yeah, seriously. that was that was gross i also
2: since neither of them are neither of them did it in any sexy way no i mean i feel like their their romance despite Nicolas cage being a strapping young man and sean young being foxy as hell like always right there didn't seem to be any kind
1: of actual um chemistry between them well to quote from the book nick did not enjoy working with young once the film was released, he said, how can I describe her? Put it this way. The chemistry was not there. I guess in one movie she's good and another she's the opposite. Everyone warned me about it, but I'm not, going to con- I'm not the kind to go on gossip. I just thought she was a good actress and wanted to knock heads with her and see how it went. And I guess it didn't go too well because they didn't have any chemistry. That's a
2: bummer. But honestly, yeah. dude, how do you go from Cher to Sean Young? I know. It's, well, I mean, how do you go from Cher to anyone?
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't know that much about Shania. I knew that she was in um, Ace Ventura and it, and in... That
2: actually ended her career, I think. Did it?
1: I, I feel like she wasn't
2: in too much of anything... After that. After that, that really, you yeah. know... She's kind of tragic. Kind of, because she was so good. Her, her, I had a crush on her at the age of 12 the Runner. first time I saw Blade Runner. Yeah. Man, she's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm.
1: The, this I didn't know this either. It says, uh, in fact, Young had been involved in a b- bizarre fight with actor James Woods a couple of years earlier, in which he sued her for allegedly trying to put a curse on him and then his fiance. In the end, however, she was the one who won damages. Uh, she had also lost the role of uh, Vicky Vale in uh, Batman. Oh yeah, Batman. That's to, that's to, Kim Basinger. Yeah, role. to Kim Basinger. After she broke her arm in a horse-riding stunt accident. And then, yeah. she And she showed up to uh, the lot of, like, the studio in, like, a Catwoman outfit um, to try and get, like... Oh, uh, no. Uh, what's his name? Tim Burton to cast her. And he was like, hmm, sorry. That is very tragic. Yeah. But... I don't know she she looks like she's fallen asleep in this movie, too, yeah, I mean, this is not she, she could this not is... be bothered, and that scene in the laundry mat like did not there was no like sexual tension in that scene, like well
2: it, he he just
1: takes her panties and then she's like,
2: hey, hey, keep them yeah and I was like that was a, that was a weird way to that was a weird button for that scene,
1: and she's dressed in this like halter top without a bra, but then this weird like like polyester skirt thing or like just big thick skirt and it's, it's almost just like,
2: like she had two different wardrobe people for each
1: like for the top and bottom. yeah i mean i guess it's laundry day but it just seemed like i don't know
2: also where is this is this laundromat on the base do they have to use a civilian laundromat <laughs> i guess so
1: the geography
2: was a little sketchy
1: and i'm I, not clear on where anyone lived come to think of it i like, think i
2: think the base was in arizona right and then obviously the fighting was supposed to be in uh, south america argentina i guess I, where was it i'm not sure somewhere in south yeah. america they might have not been clear
1: on that no but like were they but, sleeping in barracks and shit or like did they have apartment like we never saw their any of their life they went to like a bar a couple to, times tommy
2: lee jones had a had a house yes. and a wife
1: tommy lee jones did.
2: yeah And a baby, too, also. Right. Yeah, he had like a whole family in like a regular house. But again, there are like neighborhoods on bases for the officers and and their families. So, right. That weird
1: little like grocery store that he's shopping in, like that
2: could have easily been. Which is empty except for him and Nick Cage. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand why the villains only existed in like blurry (laughs) CIA like photographs.
1: That looked, they were so like stagey to like. Like he had this like film noir lighting on him, like his eyes slitted as he's like holding a gun at the camera. Like it was so like who where did those photos come from?
2: Maybe I'm not giving the CIA or 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 intelligence enough credit, but those were incredibly cinematic still photos for being taken from, like, a with a telescopic lens a right. mile away from a roof. <laughs> yeah. They really
1: staged those photos really well and dramatically. But that guy, like, never talked. He never had a line. We never saw... the. We saw him in those photos, and then we saw him in a helicopter getting blown up.
2: Well, it almost feels like he was not even the main boss. But then it's anticlimactic, because the only battle... Except for the training simulations in the movie, it happens at the end, right. and it lasts maybe fifteen minutes, right. and then the movie's over immediately after that. And right. to top it all off, the person that they're fighting was, um, you know, the the uh, defected American, or or uh, no, the um, he was a mercenary, Uh-huh. and but in all the photos that they're showing, all the CIA photos that they're showing, he's in them with like higher up drug cartel bosses. Right. So it's weird to me that when they fought him, which is why I say it feels like he wasn't the yeah. main boss. I feel like that should have been the lead up to a bigger battle that actually closed out the movie <laughs> yeah. with like some of yeah. the drug cartels Where and, like, and the bosses. Like
1: five more helicopters come up from behind the right. hill. And then they have to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
2: So my question is, where's Firebirds 2?
1: with a a scroll at the beginning by george w bush (laughs) or by donald trump yeah about the drug i mean this movie has like such the other way that it's just like completely aimed at children is that it's whole concept and it's so risable to me like my politics were really hurting like i it's like it's just like Look, man, like there's that like um, high up in the army or government or whatever at the start who he's like, Nick Cage is in that like meeting about like what happened. He's like, he's like, it's very complicated, this drug war. And Nick Cage is like, not the way I see it. You know, these guys are bringing drugs into our country and killing our people. We should go and kill them. And the movie is like, that's the movie's point of view. Everybody, Everybody's psyched to be going and ch- shooting people and killing people. Like, before they go out for the big, like, helicopter battle where people die, like, immediately. Like, everyone's, Tommy Lee Jones gives them, like, a pep speech. They're like, yeah, you guys ready to go shoot some guns? And then like, immediately they get ambushed yeah, right after that. <laughs> Everyone gets fucked except for Nick Gage, Sean Young, and uh, the top half of Tommy Lee Cruz, Tommy Lee Jones, Cruz, Jones, (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones, (laughs) Cruz, and he's even like he's chill with that. They pull him out of the helicopter. He's like, he's like, you're you did great, son. You're an all-American hero. (laughs) He finally got what he wanted was to join
2: the the young bucks of the next generation (laughs) in battle and really prove him prove that he was the best
1: right They the, the higher up army guy was like you're too important to fight never mind go fight and then now he's never gonna do it again
2: has tommy lee jones always just looked like he's 55 years old
1: do you remember that too do you remember a role in which tommy lee jones looked like a young man young tommy lee jones i have no idea what that looks like he he's he like from this role to men in black, like it's, it's only a, like six a, years. Yeah. It's like seamless, but he looks
2: exactly the same. And yeah. even from fugitive, which was like four, right. three or four years before this, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. We should do a, we should do a, a, a TLJ cast <laughs> Yeah, I, I where we, where we watch all, all Tommy Lee Jones movies.
1: The, uh, the funny thing is like, um, at least at this point, in Nick Cage's career, it's like, what's he going to do next? Where, like what crazy character is he going to be next? Tommy Lee Jones will always just be Tommy Lee Jones. I feel like you could,
2: yeah, you could definitely just swap any of Tommy Lee Jones's characters out for any other one. And you'll probably understand like 70% of the plot of the film. Still.
1: I feel that way about Bruce Willis too.
2: Yeah. He pretty much set the template with Die Hard, and then never stopped.
1: Yeah. And no complaints. I mean, some complaints but like i i if i go to see bruce willis i want to see bruce willis if i go to see timely jones i'm gonna see timely jones
2: have you heard bruce willis's album
1: um yes the return of bruno Bruno. is that the name of it yeah Yeah, right yeah um it lives up to the hype i remember definitely does i i highly recommend it have you ever seen hudson hawk yes (laughs) i have
2: not yeah you should see it yeah i I mean it's you know it's no uh it's no Bergman or anything, but it's a. <laughs> it's probably worth. How's it time. compared to Dick Tracy? Um, I like Dick Tracy better, but for not the right reasons. Okay, <laughs> that's an intriguing answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Dick Tracy kind of fell between the cracks. Yeah, like it's a movie that was super hyped at the time, and it was supposed to launch a franchise. Yeah, it didn't. And and it's just I think it's very misunderstood.
1: Yeah, it's weirdly beautiful.
2: Right, like. I mean, it's ugly in a yeah. way that the first Batman is also ugly. Yeah, exactly. But it's
1: beautiful in, in the same the way. In the same way, yeah. It's like a, gr- a grotesque cartoon play reality. Okay, here's, some, here's a couple more things from this book. Um, I, I underline these. I'm not sure if they're going to be as interesting as they seemed last night. Director Green said, Nicolas Cage was a great idea for the part of Jake Preston. Jake fucking Preston. man! <laughs> Such an all-American name. What I wanted from him was a very straightforward American hero type of guy who goes out to beat the drug lords and overcomes his own problems and prejudices along the way. Cage did this extremely well. P- P- Producer Badalotto added, he managed to create a very realistic character, very serious and yet sympathetic. As a pilot, his character is beyond any sort of criticism. It's his, per- it's his private life that gets him in the the way in this story, which is not true. And also just funny. It's like, (laughs) it sounds like this is like the first movie they've ever seen. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Nick Cage was hired to play a man, a, a man who fights and flies things and he's good at flying the things. But sometimes when he's not flying things, he's not as good. Tommy Lee Jones was a unanimous choice to play Preston's mentor, Brad Little, but Green had to fight to cast Sean Young um, because they didn't think she was pilot-like. For Nick, the best part of making the film was hanging out at a club called Maggie Mays in Austin, Texas, with the military advisors who were coaching him in his role. On a return visit two years later, he recalled, I met a few great guys who were training me for the role. They brought me in here, and though it's been a couple years, I was hoping I might run into them again. By coincidence he did bump into them and they ended up in a strip club celebrating a going away party for some other troops. Uh, but here's okay, here's some uh some quotes from uh reviews of the time and uh I'm going to read these all and and can see where we who we agree with. Daily Variety <laughs> seemed to be alone in enjoying the film. The reviewer wrote Canny casting against type diffuses some of the gung ho militarism, some, some of it. Some of it. In this enjoyable old fashioned aerial adventure, camaraderie, camaraderie and rat a tat dialogue among stars Nicolas Cage, Sean Young, and Tommy Lee Jones may have started out as fun, a la Howard Hawks' classic Only Angels Have Wings, but emerges at times as a satire of the genre. Yeah. Cage is fascinating to watch, allowed to explode occasionally from his tightly clamped shell. No, that's the best review. I mean, it's funny that only the last statement of that review I agree with. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, he, he is kind of fascinating to watch, though I, I don't know how intentionally. In the Washington Post, however, Hal Hinson dismissed it as, quote, a jingoistic copter adventure. He wrote, it's more video game than motion picture, the first coin-operated movie. Ulti- oh, <laughs> ultimately, Cage wins the battle by virtue of sheer florid excess. What we're seeing here from this bonkers star isn't anything we haven't seen before, say in Vampire's Kiss, or to a lesser degree in Moonstruck. Disagree. But that doesn't make it any less nuts. (laughs) Agree. With his sleepy eyelids and Modigliani face. Modigliani? Wait, 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 wait.
2: Hold on, did this motherfucker just come up from behind with the Modigliani reference? Are you kidding me? Sleepy
1: eyelids. (laughs) and Mo Digliani face. <laughs> Cage looks more like a cartoon wolf than a conventional leading man. Cage is a magnetic presence, for sure, but little things, like making an actual connection with his co-star, are beyond him. Au contraire, Hal Henson of the Washington Post. I think he can do that when he wants to. The Hollywood Reporter enjoyed the flying scenes and... <laughs> and praised Tommy Lee Jones, but hated everything else. Dwayne Burge wrote, Cage's uncharismatic performance as the ace pilot, while properly hyperkinetic, never sets off any sparks. No magic swagger here, but in Cage's defense, the character is written as a dullard. Firebirds is such a shameless steal of Top Gun that the writers must have used tracing paper to concoct the screenplay. No,
2: it's not. They try to draw it freehand, and that's <laughs> yeah. why it's not.
1: Exactly. Because they can't draw. They should have traced it. <laughs> they should have traced it. Should have put it on the light box. <laughs> Firebirds is, has one director, two writers, and many laughs, all of them unintentional, said the New York Times. Responsible for a lot of these is Mr. Cage. Mr. Cage simply won't quit. He never listens to or sees anybody else in the scene being too busy monitoring his own utterly mysterious attention-getting responses. These reviews are actually more entertaining than watching the film itself. I, I agree. Aviator sunglasses and faded 501s do not make Cage into Cruise, and repackaged as a romantic lead, Francis's nephew is nothing short of laughable. I agree Man,
2: that- why you gotta bring... You-
1: yeah, you gotta bring. Call him Francis's nephew
2: like yeah, that, just on. to just to dig the knife a little deeper. Yeah, that's that is that's not a good look.
1: Manola Dargis, I thought the village voice was better than that, but I agree that his performance does give his character a weirdly un like he's not a romantic character for as like sexually aggressive as he is, he's like this
2: is this is part of the reason why I think. Cage as the lead in this movie fails mm-hmm. because he's not a romantic he's not a romantic leading man no. and he's not an action star no he's not and therefore both sides of his character's personality I mean he's just he's
1: miscast for yeah the, uh, across the board again it's like he's like 24 25 or something and he looks like he's like 35. Dude, I mean, but the thing is, he looked thirty-five and moonstruck too. I know,
2: like he can, like he always looked so much older than he really
1: was, right? Whereas he's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of, well, maybe not now, but he leveled off for like a few years. I feel like mid to late nineties into the two thousands, he kind of looked like the same dude. Um, so he just got there earlier, yeah. but then
2: stayed there longer.
1: Yes. Hey, oh, here's here's a couple things. Just looking at my note. Um, remember when they're in that bar listening to that, uh, that chain of fools cover by that, that band with the dude who looked kind of like meatloaf. Okay. I looked him up and his name is Judson Spence. And he was like on MTV with songs really similar to that. He really sucks.
2: Wait, is that his actual name? Judson Judson Spence? Judson
1: Spence. That's the man. Is
2: is that like the, is that like the the uh his stage name that he went by
1: i'm not sure if that's i mean yeah that's his stage name i don't know if it's his actual but that's birth a name
2: dumb why would you choose that name as your stage that's not a cool rock name at all judson judson spence is
1: jud i've never even met a judson have you i'm gonna name my firstborn Judson. <laughs> judson go? judson judson bow jud he should have been spence something he, no, actually, he just shouldn't have been.
2: No, you <laughs> should have just been a uh, just Judson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little mystery like Prince. The the
2: the, the whole soundtrack, uh, not the like Phil Collins tunes and the other pop songs, but just the like score of the movie sounds like the A Team. Dude, it, it it was like did you did you did you yeah. notice that I'm like this straight up like they could have ripped off cues from the A team and I probably wouldn't have been like known the difference. I I
1: wrote nonstop triumphant music. It was <laughs> like it always sounded like the soundtrack for when someone has just won the big battle, but it was through the whole movie. Like even when they're gearing up, it's just it's just it really got on my nerves. They should have just had Judson Spence do the whole soundtrack. Or Phil. Or Phil Collins. Phil Collins. The whole soundtrack should have been Phil Collins. Yeah, he should have been playing in the bar and everything. I don't know, what do you think of the gender politics in this movie? It's so, like, aimed at kids. They're they're like, Nick Cage thinks that girls can't fight, but he loves that that his girl can fight, but he's just scared because he wants to protect her, but she can fight. And she, but she doesn't even fight because she ends up just taking care. She ends up nursing Tommy Lee Jones. She just flies out and and is the nurse and, and Nick Cage blows up the big bad guy. So I, you know, I wasn't like offended, but I, I, I was offended at the fact that I I felt like it, it was like, what kind of like progressive like message, like they put like that little nugget in there thinking that they were doing something and they didn't do anything does that make sense
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they like they were trying to like
1: fake you out. Yeah. But nah.
2: But I think it also kind of goes hand in hand with the whole just the general political outlook of the movie. Right. There's nothing there's nothing progressive about it. No. So f- you know, I feel like they were just doing lip service yeah, because that's the word. you know, everything in the 80s and 90s had to be PC it, and, to a certain extent. So they
1: and, and it's just an easy like story beat right. to to do and they don't like i say they kind of cop out on it anyway oh they totally cop out he does he yells at her
2: arguably the whole movie is a cop out. (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) at least at least some shit explodes that's literally
2: all it has going for it yeah that and um i'm the greatest
1: (laughs) the film was renamed wings of the apache when it was released in britain but that did not help sell. garbage title wings
2: of firebirds at least sounds cool
1: yeah it does Wings of the Apache is more confusing.
2: Especially for people in other countries who don't know what the fuck an Apache helicopter
1: is. They will after watching this movie. Hopefully. I mean, it, it's basically a commercial for the fucking helicopter.
2: It's Are, just I, I I don't I don't understand. It's telling that it was written by three
1: army guys.
2: I didn't yes. know that until yeah. I didn't know that until you just told me, but that actually makes a lot of sense. I know.
1: It, it's like yeah, the, the things that they think are important and interesting are uh, not to me.
2: Or me. Yeah. Or
1: possibly most civilians watching this <laughs> People movie. People who um, are maybe just casual fans of the Apache helicopter right, and not super fans. It was the tool for the job, though. It did hit those Scorpion helicopters, which I don't think is a thing, um, but it, it shot those Scorpions down. Is,
2: is, that, is that offensive to Native Americans calling your war copter, like Apache. naming your war copter after, uh, after Apache tribe? Yeah. You probably couldn't get away with it now. When were these things produced? Do you know?
1: Uh, like the 80s like, or early. Yeah, mid 80s. I think like 86. I looked it up okay. because of this movie. I'm
2: actually like mildly interested in doing research on like not just Apaches, but right. just you know, army copters in general. I, yeah that's that's something that I have never previously cared about, but I think maybe like a cursory like you know uh review of the history of like army copters might kind of be interesting to me now that I've seen this movie.
1: I had a friend growing up who's really i mean still really loves guns and was always into war and shit, which I never cared about, but I remember he was. Stoked on Apaches as like a young kid, like he was the audience for this movie, and would tell me about how cool the Apache helicopter was. Maybe, maybe the Firebirds people were onto something. Like, I don't know. I just wish you know. I, I, here's the thing: is I, for as much as like a liberal pinko commie that I'm, like painting myself like. I can set all of that aside for a good movie. You know, for the most part, if a movie is truly entertaining, like, I just want to be entertained. Like, I want to see the helicopters fly fast and blow shit up, too. But, like, just do it well. Top Gun did it well. Even cocktails makes cocktails look cool. Cocktail? Cocktail?
2: Cocktail? cocktail i think it's not plural i totally forgot about that movie though yeah so i think what you're actually saying <laughs> is that if tom, tom cruise, cruise is was in, in this, your movie yeah. it it makes that thing look cool
1: you know what tom cruise could have sold this movie as shitty as everything else is if he was in this movie he would have made it all work he would have made it romance with sean young work he would have made wearing panties over his head with the fucking periscope to fix his stupid eye Halloween costume. His eye dominance. <laughs> yeah. So deep. All the like deep cut cage rolls.
2: <laughs> Dude, we should get a group together of like ten friends and each of us go as a different <laughs> cage roll.
1: Oh man.
2: They're all all A cage good. for every season.
1: Okay. You have the birdie costume where you have like your like army. We with like a with pigeon the, outfit? The, or the eye patch. What else you have? Raising Arizona, we talked about before. You have Moonstruck with your fake hand. Vampire's Kiss, perfect costume. And maybe most perfect of all, Wild at Heart. Yeah. The next movie we're going to talk about. I, this, this is how this chapter closes out. The film was renamed Wings of the, the Apache uh, when it was released in Britain, but that did not help to sell it. However, Nick did not seem to be concerned. He had banked the money from the film and was basking in praise for a very different project. Just before Firebirds was released in America, the movie he had made for David Lynch, Wild at Heart, was booed at the Cannes Film Festival for the violence that threatened to earn it an X rating. But it went on to win the Palme d'Or, the most prestigious award of the festival, and Nick's career switched back into Top Gear. He tried to, he did Vampire's Kiss. He wanted to to make that movie, and everyone told him not to do it, and he did it. And people were laughing at him he was kind of becoming a joke he he made this movie because well he made time to kill and god knows fucking why um only god and nick cage know why and uh then he made this to get money because seems like he was like gotta get practical along comes david lynch save the day give him a great role in a great movie
0: Oh, the, okay. So this. Remember when we were talking about *Vampire's Kiss* about how every single club scene, everyone's having so much fun. Yeah,
1: it's really cool. They're always really. Dude, cool. the
0: club scene in this movie kind of it, it was like, I was, like, I, I kind of want like I wanted it to Did be that he, kind he, of he, thing. He, he, like, yeah, I, same. like I wanted the club to be lit. I wanted them to be going off, but this looked like the lamest. I mean probably I'm sure Judson Spence's soundtrack didn't help the situation. <laughs> no. It will okay, a couple
1: things. It looked like the set dressing was okay. It looked kind of flashy and interesting, but it was like really underpopulated, like it was kind of empty, like it wasn't like a, you know, a big hop and night like in Vampire's Kiss when he goes and kills
0: that girl. And it, you know, it's like maybe Judson Spence's friends turned out to see him but like and then like hey man i gotta sell 10 tickets to this show <laughs> do you want to come <laughs> judson spence doing like a doing like a shitty like dive bar gig on a on a uh, on a military base right trying to trying to like get his friends to come out to the show flyering the actual base I mean like, hey you guys like music <laughs> Hey, you guys like music. (laughs)